Hey, welcome once again. This is Elle at Iron Dove. Dialogue is the key to reform. Access is the key to dialogue. At Iron Dove, you can find both. Come on down, sign up, talk it up, and let's see what we can figure out. Did you ever wonder about public education? It's one of those things that we don't often think about. But when our children reach a certain age, we pack up their lunch and off they go, off to school. Some of the stuff they learn is useful, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, learning their ABCs, learning how to write their name, things of that sort. And some of it, I wonder, I really, really wonder about. It's, it's interesting because it's a power tool. And obviously, knowledge is power. But prescribing the knowledge that's given is also powerful. It's interesting to me, um, as my children get older, to notice how little has actually changed since I was in elementary school. We're talking a long time since I was in elementary school. I mean, I'm not ancient or anything, but, you know at least 30-so years, okay? So if you think about it in those terms, that what's happened in our country in 30-so years? Well, my goodness, a lot, an awful, awful lot. And our experience and our understanding of our experience and the world around us and the smalling of the world, if you will, before we had the ability of internet, transportation, easy intercontinental telephone systems, things like that, the world was a much, much bigger place. And now it is a much, much smaller place because at any given time, within seconds or fractions of seconds, you can be in touch with anybody anywhere in the world. And that makes it a much, much smaller place. And it makes our experience much, much bigger. So how is it that in 30 years, we provide our children with the same ridiculous information? I mean, elementary school is, is, is the basic guts of it. Once they get beyond elementary school, and they start into the middle school and into the high school, it seems to me that some of the material and some of the information could be presented in so much of a more broad and encompassing way. You know, there are certain, especially literature, writing. I think that, I was thinking about this this morning because I was, one of my kids is reading the um, ever popular and really unpleasant book. Um, Lord of the Flies, which, you know, to me is just one of these really <sighs> ugly, ugly assignments. Now, this gentleman who wrote Lord of the Flies actually won the Nobel Peace Prize. Go figure that. I mean, I think he was really very, very twisted. And I think his book is really, really twisted. And I think to have young children 
read these kinds of stories in a way adds to the desensitization of the human condition. If you haven't read Lord of the Flies, it's, it's basically a story about a bunch of young boys, pre-adolescent to adolescent boys, who find themselves in a situation where they have no adult supervision, they're stranded on a desert island, basically, and they need to survive. It's sort of a, a social allegory. It's kind of a test to what happens to people. What is human nature? And it's the beastly side of human nature, really. There are a number of different characters and they all have their their little take on it. There's the the thinker and there's the rescuer and there's the uh, dictator and there's the mystic and you know there's a lot of different things but not anything that you couldn't find in a less beastly story. It is the ugliest look at the ugly side of certain aspect of the human condition. The question is, is society so bankrupt that we can't find new ways to teach our children? Is the only way to teach to look at the ugly in order to demonstrate the beautiful? And when I say look at the ugly, I'm talking about literature, films, artwork that make people recoil in disgust. If you ask a child to experience something that makes them recoil like that, you plant in them a seed of behavior that may or may never manifest, but a seed that's nevertheless planted. And I wonder if these seeds need to be planted at all. Any of us who's ever reached a certain age in life, we know that there's unkindness. We know that there are people that behave in ways that we wish they wouldn't behave and what have you. And, and there's cruelty all, all around. But to actually plant cruelty, it's, an, it's just an interesting question. You know, we send our kids off to school to learn things, but what are they learning? And I guess part of why this idiotic, if not remarkable, book keeps being assigned decade after decade after decade is because of the symbolism. But again, I think there are probably thousands and thousands and thousands of books that have been written since this book that provide all kinds of levels of symbolism that would be much more useful and less beastly and brutal. 
there are character types developed in all kinds of literature that speak about ruthless leaders, hatred, divisions between groups, savagery, power, corruption. Truth be known, you don't even have to read a book. All you got to do is look at our government. And you can pretty much see all of that. Look at any government and you can see all of that. The author who wrote Lord of the Flies described it like this, and I quote, The theme is an attempt to trace the defects of society back to the defects of human nature. The moral is that the shape of society must depend on the ethical nature of the individual and not on any political system, however, apparently logical or respectable. The whole book is symbolic in nature, except the rescue in the end, where adult life appears, dignified and capable, but in reality enmeshed in the same evil as the symbolic life of the children on the island. The officer, having interrupted a manhunt, prepares to take the children off the island in a cruiser, which will presently be hunting its enemy in the same implacable way. And who will rescue the adult and his cruiser? End quote. William Golding. The thing of it is that is human nature a defect? In any case, knowledge is power. And the power over knowledge is also power. And how much do we shape the views and opinions of the generations by continuing to teach the same material. As a human condition, we learn by experience. And if the experience is the same experience, generation after generation after generation that we give these kids of ours, how are we ever going to evolve as, as a humanity? As we evolve, artists and writers and filmmakers and musicians evolve. Their music evolves, their art is, evolves, their writing evolves, their, their vision evolves. And as it evolves, it's presented. And that material is as important, if not more important, than the material that was presented when I was a kid, because the material that was presented when I was a kid was material from a perspective of a certain place in time. The material that's being presented now is from a different place in time that reaches back, but also reaches further forward than what my peers saw. So, to only teach these quote-unquote classics from days gone by where there's so little left to interpretation because they've been so taught and overtaught that I wonder if they're actually really teaching anything 
or if what they're teaching just continues to be the status quo. It's a wonder. I don't know. But I do wonder about it. How about you? What do you think about the public school education system? What do you think about teaching? What is the purpose of the public school education system? We're trying to create quote-unquote well-rounded people, but what are they rounded for? It's an interesting thought. Come on down, let me know what you think. Pop by the community forum and uh, drop me a note. Till tomorrow, this is Elle at Iron Dove, signing out.